Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. This week on the show, we're talking about WrestleMania. If you don't follow along to the WWE each and every week, then this yearly event is the only one that you absolutely need to tune in for. It's always got the most star-studded card, and the good guys and the fan favorites often get their big moments at WrestleMania. To talk about it, I called up an old childhood friend, Greg Pavlik, whose on-again, off-again passion for professional wrestling has mirrored my own. We're going to talk about all the big championship bouts, why we bought the storyline the WWE sold us, or why we didn't, and what next year holds in store for fans of pro wrestling. You don't need to be familiar with all the names we drop, and hopefully you can enjoy the conversation even if you don't. I'd recommend going online and finding the end of the title match if you can. Uh, The winner, Seth Rollins, a young and -and up-and-coming villain, steals the show and wins the heavyweight title for the very first time. One of the greatest moments for me on this weird soap opera sport-esque thing called WrestleMania was seeing this guy, Seth Rollins, this real-life human being, so ecstatically happy and joyous to fulfill what must have been a lifelong dream, to win the title at WrestleMania, like so many before him, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, to see the joy and the smile on his face and how authentic it was. Uh, It it was really fun, even though he's supposed to be a bad guy. But it was still great to watch. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Greg. Thanks for coming on The Big Game. Hey, Justin. (laughs) It's, It's good to hear from you. Yeah, it's been a long time, buddy. And and I'm really glad that you're coming on the show to talk about something that I've been looking forward to talking about on this show since I started, and that is the WWE's WrestleMania Extravaganza number 31, which happened last night in San Francisco at Levi Stadium. Um, but you know, I kind of figured Grantland and and all of these other like kind of semi-sports reporting places online are talking about wrestling uh, in this kind of like weird cross between, you know, sports reporting and like in the know TV criticism reporting. So I figured, why the hell not? Can't we talk about it on the big game? So, uh, but before we get into WrestleMania 31, just want to get some background on on you and like when you started watching professional wrestling. Um, and have you been following the recent storylines in the WWE for very long? Yeah, the recent storylines, it's probably been uh, probably a few years now that I picked back up. So me, me and wrestling, it's been on and off. I think that the earliest memories I have of wrestling are probably watching uh, like an early 90s Royal Rumble that my cousin brought over. and uh, On VHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have vague memories of of like a Hulk Hogan movie where he was a babysitter or something like that. Oh yeah. I remember that one for sure. I remember one where he was, um, he was like an action movie star. I think it was like called Thunder Bay or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then it, it gets kind of hazy and then the attitude era, like every, everyone, everyone was watching that. Yeah. We, weren't, we were watching. in the, we were in the prime demographic for the stone cold Steve Austin problems with authority storylines. Right, we were, we were, yeah, we were the key demo. Your, your, you know, twelve to fifteen to sixteen demo, 
we hit home right there. Yeah. And then after that, it gets hazy for like a decade. And then up until like 2011, 2012, I picked it back up. Yeah. So, so I think you and I, we kind of parallel along all three of those beats pretty well. I remember like my first memories of wrestling were uh, the Rockers, which was uh, Shawn Michaels, who later, you know, went on to be this huge, huge star in the WWF, um, and his sidekick, Marty Jannetty. And, like, one of my earliest memories was uh, Shawn Michaels kicking Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window and, like, turning (laughs) on him and, like, becoming a bad guy. And, like, that's, like, just, like, burned into my brain. (laughs) And then it's just the same for you, like, the Stone Cold stuff, the the stuff with NWO and, and Degeneration X kind of, you know, like thrilled and titillated me as like a 15 year old in the 90s um and i actually came back to wrestling you know maybe maybe even just like a year and a half ago because of uh this wrestler colt cabana was on wtf podcast uh, with mark Marin talking about you know his career and how he started doing a podcast a lot like mark's um and i kind of got really fascinated with these like the inner lives of the professional wrestler and and who the person is that wants to you know, do that to their body and, and kind of uh, dance this line between reality and, and fiction and, you know, sports and entertainment. Um, so I started listening to all these wrestling podcasts, and that's kind of where I started to learn terms like smart mark and, like, kind of talking about wrestling in this way that's like, hey, we know it's all a work, it's all fixed, um, but there's still this, like, kind of, like, layer of reality embedded in it. And that's yeah, like, that's kind like of fascinating. Triple H, to me. Uh, Triple H touched on that. I don't know if you heard the his interview with Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to that one. He talked about how when you're writing the show nowadays, you're kind of writing the reality around the reality. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good way to put it because they're they're not writing stuff the way you could you could have 15 years ago, where you know whatever they have, whatever they wanted to to go down on a raw they didn't have to deal with it on social media immediately in real time, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's definitely it, different. It's become so much more interactive. And like, and I think to really, you know, sometimes I'll watch the show with my girlfriend and it's hard to kind of explain what about the storyline that's happening is interesting to me because it, it often involves like, you know, a few other layers of reality on top of what we're just watching on the TV. And then I have to go and say, oh, you know, there was this article last week or there was this interview or there was this other, you know, Twitter thing. And like, it's so convoluted, but like, that's for me, like the best way to enjoy it is actually to get really in the weeds of, of what's happening. Yep. Yep. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Okay. So, so let's get into WrestleMania. This was an epically long show. Um, Including the pre-show, uh, it totaled to be about like six hours of TV yesterday. Um, but I, you know, I kind of just want to talk about a few of the key moments, a few of the key matches that were the particular highlights. Um, and the first one is the the thing that kind of kicked it all off on the uh, the start of WrestleMania proper, which was the seven-person ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, what did you think of that match, and what did you think of them? Uh, giving the title to fan favorite Daniel Bryan. I think overall it was a pretty decent match. Um, And one of the overarching themes of this WrestleMania in my mind was the WWE giving the fans what they want, you know, and kind of restructuring who's holding um, some of those 
lower titles, which eventually will kind of break out all their mid-card matches and kind of give them relevance. And one of those being Daniel Bryan. Um, him being a fan favorite, now he has that title. Now some of those lower matches are going to be more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's great. I think I think he'll hold on to that for a long time. So do you think, I've heard one of these rumors that uh, Daniel Bryan will pretty much anchor the SmackDown show on Thursdays, um, and, and that's where a lot of the intercontinental feuding will go on. Do you think that's probably what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably about right. I don't I don't think he's I mean, he's a, he's a big fan favorite, but I don't see him getting that top spot anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um just because I don't I think in the the average fan's mind, they it's not super believable that he could take on a guy like Brock Lesnar in a top billing. Mm-hmm. You know, but you give him that IC title and you have a lot of those mid-range guys that he can go toe-to-toe with, and it'll be entertaining, and you'll, you'll see him a lot. Yeah, I think he probably had his best run as kind of the David versus Goliath, you know, right before he won the uh, the title at last year's WrestleMania, where they kind of he kept being held down and held down and held down, and then finally he got the big payoff at WrestleMania 30, you know, winning the world championship. Um, and unfortunately, an injury kind of derailed all of that, but I think you're right, like, that... He, he might not be able to work at that top level like a guy like John Cena can or, or like Brock Lesnar has so well for, for almost this entire year. And, you know, the, the fans do love him and they want to see him a lot. And he's going to get more exposure uh, every week on, on one of the other shows, just kind of defending that title. And, and I, yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll probably keep him there uh, for a while and try to make that belt mean a little bit more than it has in the last, you know, six months where... Guys like, you know, former MTV Real World star, uh, right. the, the Miz, is holding the title. So, 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 yeah, so I, you know, my only problem with the match was, you know, the excessive, like, diving off of a ladder onto four or five or six people just kind of standing there, obviously waiting for the guy to jump off the ladder and hit them. Right. But were, were there any spots in the match that they particularly stuck out to you as, as impressive feats? Um, yeah, when, when Barrett went to suplex, uh, Stardust off the top, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sitting there thinking, oh, you know, he's just going to pull up a couple times and it's not going to happen. And then he does you're like, oh, holy shit. That probably hurt a lot. Yeah. That one. I mean that, you know, cause they're coming over those like 10 foot ladders and yeah. so maybe an eight foot ladder. So yeah, but that's still got a sting. <laughs> yeah. They keep calling them steel ladders. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're aluminum. But... <laughs> well, one of those ladders, like a guy just like kicked one of the steps and it shattered right. into a million pieces. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think that was even aluminum. Right. I think I don't know who threw him, but I remember Ambrose being launched into one, like off the ring and snapping in half, and then like the medics coming over. And I think he was gone after that. Yeah, that one looked that one looked like a a real a real bump, real serious bump. Uh, all right. Well, so. So then, for me, the next thing that kind of pulled me in was the Sting-Triple H match, which, you know, for anyone that may not have watched wrestling 20 years ago like we did, uh, that was 
kind of, you know, it's the crux of the WCW versus WWF feud. You know, either you were a WCW guy and you, you know, you rooted for Sting or the NWO, um, or you watched Stone Cold on, on USA and, and uh, Triple H leading the, the DX folks who famously coined the suck it phrase. <laughs> so well, I want to start with the kind of the insane introductions that they had. Um, for anyone that didn't watch, the, the, the stadium had this enormous stage that ran like the length of a football field uh, in width that said WrestleMania. And they would, you know, kind of cut to a camera from the sky looking down on it. And the wrestlers would come out and they would look so tiny because the stage was just enormous. Uh, but when Sting came out, he came out to like uh, a group of Japanese drummers. Yeah. You're, you're a drummer yourself. Uh, what did, was, what did you uh, think of that introduction? It was super fucking elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. The, the even more impressive one, though was the the co-branding effort of Triple H and the new Terminator movie. Yeah. Let's wow. let's let's talk about that one. That it's like if they hadn't shown the Terminator ad like 2 or 3 minutes beforehand, you wouldn't know. Yeah, but then it just kind of became like so blatantly obvious. Yeah, so, oh, you know, Triple H is just a sort of a cyborg now. <laughs> Yeah, I I think they stretched reality a bit too far with that introduction. Yeah, I don't. But I mean, is that really any different than what the WWE does on a regular? I mean, you can't you can't watch a match during Raw without them going to six commercial breaks. That's like during the actual match, they promote the shit out of everything. And I mean, they have a, a bottle of Mountain Dew in front of them. <laughs> Every time they cut over. And obviously none of the commentators actually like Mountain Dew because the bottle, like the level of Mountain Dew is always exactly the same. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, I guess that's par for the course. I don't know. Maybe Sting was trying to promote something else that we just didn't pick up on. (laughs) Yeah, it was was an ad for like a really great underground uh, Japanese drum circle that only a few people know about. Um, well, so so, what did you think of the match itself? I mean, these are two guys that are, uh, I think Sting is in his fifties, Triple H is is maybe late forties. Um, what, what did you uh, think of the quality of the match? And was it just twenty years too late, or or was it worthwhile for you? It's uh, it's about what I expected. Yeah, like you said, Sting is fifty six, and Triple H being forty five, you can only do so much. Um. The the pace is yeah that's it's exactly what you would expect with two old guys coming out of there. As far as the NWO and the DX, at this point it just feels you know like gratuitous to do the Attitude Era stuff. You know mm. like when are they gonna stop with that? Yeah. Well, you know I think this I think this match was really tailor made for me because I was such a huge DX fan at the time. And, you know, I think the production value kind of didn't do it the credit that maybe it could have had if they weren't at this big outdoor arena. Um, And I think the cameraman kind of, like, missed and the the commentators weren't really helping to, like, call the story. And so, like, all of a sudden you see, you know, Triple H's uh, 
guys in DX, you know, run down to the ring and help him out. But it just didn't kind of have the impact that I think it could have had under different circumstances. And and the same thing when they cut to Hogan and uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall coming out to come help Sting. You know, I think there was just, I think it lost something in translation uh, with with the big stadium size. Um, but like with that said, I kind of loved all of the callbacks. It it was kind of fun and and silly, and it didn't really mean anything, but it was pretty neat to see. Um, and for the most part, the match it looked pretty good to me from from my kind of untrained wrestling eye. I, I kind of liked the slowed down pace, uh, you know, kind of slow and methodical in in the ring, out of the ring. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of cool. I, I just don't. I'm surprised at the outcome. Like I, I don't know how that negotiation would have happened. Do you think do you think Sting actually approached them to go to WrestleMania? Or do you think vice versa? I think it was probably vice versa. I think the WWE realized they could sell a lot of merchandise if they brought Sting on. Um and and I you know, so the result was uh Triple H getting the pin on Sting after some interference. And that seemed about right to me, like, you know, the WWE won the Monday Night Wars. They bought WCW. Sting kind of was out of wrestling for about a decade. So, you know, they they won the match, but they didn't win it quite squarely. Um, and I think they kind of buried the hatchet to kind of put the DX NWO stuff behind. So, I, you know, I think it, it kind of worked. It's just it's surprising to me that, you know, that's the one show that Sting has never done, and he would agree to come back and lose yeah. That's weird. Yeah, well, you know, I wonder, you know, the rumors are that they're setting it up for a double retirement match next year at WrestleMania 32 between Sting and The Undertaker. And that one, I, you know, maybe Sting wins that match. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> I hadn't heard that before just now. Yeah, well, I don't even remember where. I think I heard that rumor on uh, the Cheap Heat podcast last week. So I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, that kind of takes us into that the next match I want to talk about, which is The Undertaker returning. The first time we've seen him since last year. And this is a guy that's been wrestling for, like, you know, 30 years or so. Uh, going up against Bray Wyatt, this kind of new Undertaker-ish character. So, so what did you think of this match? Did it do anything for you? Was it exciting to see The Undertaker again? Yeah, I mean, it's always exciting when you hear the gong and he comes out. Um, I think he looked better than last year. I don't know if you saw last year's WrestleMania, but last year he kind of had a belly on him. Mm-hmm. And he, looked, he looked a little slower last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it looked like he was in better shape. He put up a better fight this year. Um, as far as storylines go... I don't know I don't know what their end game is having him win. I in my mind it would have made sense for him to put Bray Wyatt over um you know as, as kind of a passing the torch sort of thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought would happen too. So, I I don't know where they're going. I, where do they go with Bray Wyatt after this? I mean, I'm never I was never a big fan of Wyatt to begin with, mm-hmm. but now him losing what's what does he say tonight on raw yeah and and i feel like that's the same storyline he's been in for about six months where he starts a feud with somebody and then loses at the pay-per-view and he kind of reboots again with somebody else 
and and you know the it's it kind of made sense you know Bray Wyatt versus the Undertaker two kind of scary looking gothy guys you don't really understand but you know when the Undertaker isn't actually you know we haven't seen this guy in a whole year we haven't seen him talk we haven't seen him on TV we haven't seen him in any of the pay per views we just like there's no there's no storyline there so the reality of the situation is here's a guy that's too old to wrestle. And he can basically get it up for one match a year. Um, and we're just going to keep putting him there every year until he decides he's done. But that comes at the consequence of it not really telling a story and not, not really being that engaging for the audience. Do you agree? Yeah, that's that's essentially it. I, and, I mean, the thing that bothers me is why break the 21-0 and streak to Lesnar and then come back and pick up where you left off? I don't I don't get it. Yeah, and, and my only thought there was like he was embarrassed with how that one went down because I think he actually literally got concussed in the middle of that match and and mm-hmm. maybe just wants to get back out there and prove that that's not the way that he wants to go out. He wants to go out a little bit stronger. Um but I, that I mean from from all the matches on this card that one was it was kind of cool to see it but it was it was a bit of a letdown in the end. Yeah, I kind of feel like it should have been one or two spots earlier on the card. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think the uh, the Rusev Cena match. I think that, that probably should have been pushed up. Well, what what did you think about that one? I, I wasn't really planning to talk about that one just because it seems like I feel like they're doing the same thing to Rusev that that they did to Bray Wyatt in this match was basically here's this guy with this great story coming in. He, he you know he comes in on a goddamn tank to the ring. That's right. <laughs> and, That's right. <laughs> With an undefeated record, and then he loses to you know kind of cookie cutter superhero John Cena. So you know what's it? Where where does he go next? And and uh, well, I'll be curious to see see what they do with that. See that one's that one's a little different because I mean with with the Taker and Bray Wyatt, Taker obviously he's as of today he goes back to wherever he he goes back to hell and he <laughs> goes back to retirement for another year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess it wouldn't be hell. I guess that'd be game. He goes back to you know his graveyard job, Tombstone, Arizona. Right, right. But with Cena and Rusev, uh, now with Cena holding that title, now you have another top guy holding that mid title, mm-hmm. which again gives relevance to those mid card matches. Whereas before, no one cared too much. Yeah, that's so, true. And you you do you did that at the expense of um, stopping the Rusev streak, but I, we'll see what they do with that tonight. I don't think it's too bad of a thing. I mean, he had to lose eventually. Yeah, so it might as well be on the uh, the biggest show of them all. Right, and on top of that, you have some sort of feud with with him and Lana. So we'll see what happens there. Well, so let's let's get in then to the, like the big main event, the uh, Brock Lesnar, who's this this guy that is this uh, former UFC heavyweight champion. I don't know if that's what they call them in MMA or not, um, but you know he's come back to the WWE for the last year on kind of like a part time contract. He's not on TV a lot, but they gave him the title anyway, and you see him maybe wrestle once every two to three months um, and look really really great. I mean the guy. I think when he wrestles, it looks as realistic as it ever does. 
Um, yeah, that's that's his really strong suit. That's he's so believable. Yeah, he's in- incredibly believable. And last night he got cut open two or three times, um, and he really made you know his opponent Roman Reigns, who's a guy that's supposed to be the next big star, but not really getting over with the fans, not really you know getting the positive reaction that the WWE wants him to get. Um, so, so what did you think of the fight? Uh, by far, it was the best best match of the night. Um, I think as uh, as far as the WWE goes, they couldn't have Lesnar lose. He's too good, right? Right. They couldn't have Reigns win because he doesn't really have the support right now from the fans. Um, so option number three, which albeit being a little predictable, is having Rollins cash that thing in and take it out. And I think the other thing is now you have a guy who's going to be the champ, who's going to be on all the shows every single week. And that's the biggest thing that I would take away from this. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, like you said, Roman Reigns wasn't really ready to to become champion. I mean, at the Royal Rumble two months ago, he got booed out of the building after right. he heroically, you know, defeated uh, two five six hundred pound wrestlers in the Royal Rumble single handedly to to win that competition. Um, and in the WWE, couldn't risk having him get booed out of the arena again on you know the biggest night of their year. Um, so his former comrade uh, Seth Rollins runs down to the ring with his instant contract to say, hey, I want to be in this title match too. Um, and, you know, kind of after these two guys have bloodied each other up for, you know, 20 minutes or so, takes advantage. And, and like you said, I thought it was the best possible outcome. Uh, it wasn't too surprising, but it was fun to watch. It was definitely the most exciting, like legitimately exciting that WrestleMania was all night. Um, and, I, and I really give him credit for, for kind of reading the audience and kind of doing the right thing. Yeah, you almost kind of have to feel bad for Reigns. You know, like they, they kind of pushed him into this a little sooner than he should have been in it. Mm-hmm. It's just at this point, he's not believable as the hero. And it's kind of he's not believable because you can tell he doesn't believe it. Yeah. And it shows a little bit in the wrestling and it shows even more on the promos. The promos are horrible. Yeah. I mean, you can't it just staring menacingly only gets you so far. Absolutely. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have charisma in this to be exciting, and and he's got charisma, but he doesn't have he doesn't have the extra thing, like the extra. I don't. Maybe it's just talking. Maybe he just doesn't know how to talk on a microphone. It's just, it's just confidence. Yeah. It's just not that he doesn't really believe what he's saying. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they turn him heel, because I think right. that, I think he'll he'll get that from the fans, and and I think they'll be happy to give it to him. Uh, and, you know, Brock Lesnar, maybe also not the greatest talker in the world, just kind of a steely-eyed, menacing dude. But when they give him, you know, a manager like Paul Heyman, who is one of the most uh, renowned heel managers of all time, you know, it, it really, really works. And so yeah. that's well, Paul, maybe Paul something Heyman. they should consider. Paul Heyman is the most entertaining guy on that show. Every, every week. single week. Every week, yeah. So yeah, so Lesnar he doesn't he doesn't really need to do anything. Yeah, and and I think Reigns I think Reigns needs the same thing. He needs he needs somebody or something to kind of to to get him over with the fans, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Or yeah, or he needs to 
turn heel and have that chip on his shoulder because he could he could you know he could empathize with that he yeah. he relates to that and he could bring that and and I think that stink is going to kind of follow him for a while about how he was pushed too soon and and given these opportunities too soon and that's too bad but I think fast forward a year or two it it should play to his strength yeah well so let's talk about those going forward in the next year you know leading up to wrestlemania 32 what are you looking forward to from the wwe and is there anything you'd like to see changed kind of on a week-to-week or a month-to-month basis for for how they're telling their stories yeah so the biggest thing i want to see is the newer guys taking their promo skills up a notch Mm -hmm. you know i i would like it to be uh, less scripted. I would like it to be less safe. Um, I think there's a lot of those guys that if you just, if you give them the mic and you kind of take them off the leash a little bit, it would be so much better. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Are there any examples of, of guys you'd like to see get more more airtime on, on Raw on Mondays that, that aren't getting a push now? Um, For me, I'd love to see Damian Mizdow, uh get a chance at a belt or, or just do something bigger than just this comic feud with the Miz. Yeah, Damian Sandow is he's interesting. I feel like he's he's on the brink of doing something really good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's filled all these kind of secondary roles for a while that he's just he's right there and, and he's gonna hit on a character that, that hits big time. Yeah, I agree. For for me, what I'd love to see is just less of it. You know, it's it's really hard uh, to keep up with three hours of a TV show on a Monday night. And I always record it, and I always fast-forward through the commercials and through uh, some of the boring stuff and the, the promos and the excessive nonsense. Um, but even that, it's it, it kind of just makes the product worse and not as much fun to watch. And, you know... If they're if they're gonna do as rumored and kind of move Daniel Bryan to the Thursday show, you know that makes it five hours of wrestling a week that if you want to kind of stay current on, you have to kind of get through, and that's it's just too much, and they're not doing enough with it to kind of keep me that interested every week to devote you know a, a, that many that much of my time to it. So I'd I'd love for them to just be tighter with their their shows. I know that's not gonna happen, so I'm just gonna have to get by listening to podcasts and fast forwarding. I think. Yeah, they've definitely gone the quantity route as opposed to the quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have you have one match right now with six Doritos commercials spliced in between it. <laughs> it makes me hungry for Doritos, though. I mean, they succeeded that. <laughs> I yeah, I, I think the three-hour format though that's that's tough. I think they gotta maybe think about cutting that down. So I just watched um, New Japan Wrestling, which is, uh, I think, for the first time now available in the U.S. on a channel called Axis TV. And, you know, it's this, it's this wrestling organization that's been around forever um, that, you know, takes place in Japan, obviously, um, but often has not only uh, Japanese wrestlers, but, you know, some Americans as well that come over and work there. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching one of these matches for the first time last week. And I was kind of getting this thrill 
that I haven't felt watching the WWE in the last you know year or so, and it was kind of reminding me of of what it used to be like to be like a twelve year old and and watching two guys fight in the ring, and I was like. Oh yeah, this like it looks like the style of wrestling that they're doing looks real and it looks dangerous and and I don't know these guys' stories and and I and I don't you know I'm, I'm kind of buying into what they're telling me in the ring, um, and and I don't know I kind of wish that maybe the WWE could try to just start applying that more broadly instead of appealing to the uh, broad demographic of you know eight to sixty year olds that they are right now. I've only seen uh, one of the New Japan. Uh, episodes, but it did seem like the crowd was a lot more into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, they they connected with both of the guys in there, mm-hmm. um, and it's I I guess I would compare it to maybe early Attitude Era kind of crowd reaction, mm-hmm. which I don't know how old New Japan is. I mean, I've always heard about other Japan wrestling, but new Japan wrestling in and of itself, I don't know how old that is. So maybe they are going through their own kind of attitude era, um, where it's starting to leak over into the States. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I I see what you're saying though. It's, it's more entertaining and that's maybe it is because it's a little less scripted. Yeah. Maybe as opposed to the WWE, new Japan only has one or two writers instead of an army of writers. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) Even yeah, if you have an army of writers, it's only you know one guy, Vince McMahon, that that settles what's going to happen. So, right, and then behind the writers, you have marketing people, you know, walking in and saying, "Oh yeah, that's that's a good storyline." Hey, hey, can we squeeze in a spot right here? Do you think it'd be <laughs> think Cena could hold up a can of Coke right over here? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, now that the uh, WWE stock is, uh, you know, or I guess now that the WWE uh, has shareholders they have you know corporate bosses to report to as well and quotas to yeah. meet and money to make and dollars to print so yeah, yeah no, the, whole, the whole the whole corporate wwe gripe is that's probably pretty old <laughs> i mean i I, can, I didn't really watch in the, the mid-2000s but this is it's probably it's probably run into the ground now how people are real mad of how corporate they are yeah well, so uh, anything you want to add? Uh, recap uh, WrestleMania 31 here. Yeah, I was thinking we didn't we didn't hit on the uh, the Orton Rollins match. What'd you think of that one? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of an average match, but I remember at the end when Rollins went for his curb stomp, mm-hmm. and then like Rollins threw, or uh, Orton threw him up in the air mm-hmm. and then did the RKO. It reminded me. Of, I remember Stone Cold doing like a stunner on The Rock, but The Rock's reaction was to like flip backwards and then go vertical and then flip over again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that was funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, Randy Orton is a guy. He's he's interesting. He's, you know, sometimes they try to make him a bad guy, and then he kind of really can't stay in that zone for whatever like he's got too much charisma he's kind of too likable he's kind of got that you know he's basically got stone cold's finishing move uh, and so he kind of treads back into this anti-hero uh role and i'm curious to see how they're going to use him going forward if maybe they're gonna since he just fought rollins and beat rollins at wrestlemania if they're gonna maybe he's next in line 
for a, a shot at the title now that, that now that Rollins is the champ. Yeah, see, I kind of I kind of worry that Roman Reigns ten years from now is a, a lot more like Orton than what people are thinking. Right, people are hoping right now that he's the next Rock, right? But I think he's going to go closer to an Orton. You know, he's not going to ever be all that great on the mic, yeah. but he's always going to be a big built dude. And he's, he, you know, he's always going to be able to give that menacing look and people and the, you know, the commentators are always going to talk about him, like he's a really dangerous guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Hopefully you're wrong, but I think you're right. And <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to recap uh, next year, WrestleMania 32 and see how things have uh, gone along uh, since, since tonight, since the next episode. So. Thanks for coming on The Big Game, Greg. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Big Game WrestleMania edition. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave a review if you like what you hear. Or drop me a line at JethroTarget on Twitter. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game when we get back to real competitive sports. See you next week.